Well, it is no pucks given. Hey, I'm Dan Kingerski. Thank you for uh, dialing up the podcast here on Pittsburgh Hockey Now, be it on SoundCloud, iTunes, or any one of the uh, numerous smaller podcast platforms. I guess now is when I beg for the uh, the like, the favorite, the share, the five-star rating. If you have a second, just go ahead and uh, click on that, please, so they display us a little bit higher. Before we begin, a little stick tap to our former colleague and partner here at PHN, Matt Geitka, who has decided uh, to, to change his career path, didn't want to be uh, a reporter and an analyst any longer. Just it's, it's, it can be a little bit intense here at Pittsburgh Hockey. Now it's a startup, and we have to work uh, sometimes twice as hard as an established outlet. But uh, we're having a, a blast. I, I think there's there, Matt has something else that is calling him. He was sworn to secrecy. He hasn't even told us what his new project is. Only that it doesn't compete with us, and we're going to like it. We, uh, we trust Matt. We miss Matt. I was certainly sad uh, to, to, uh, to say goodbye, but I'm happy to welcome Keith Barnes to the team. Uh, Keith was uh, one of the uh, guys on the Penguins beat for the Tribune Review when the Penguins won their first Stanley Cup, and uh, Keith was one of the, I don't want to call us young guns. We certainly weren't young guns, but one of the, uh, the, the, the younger guys uh, back in the day in the Civic Arena press box. Mark Lazarus, who's now the beat writer for the Chicago Sun-Times, who has like 50,000, 60,000 Twitter followers. Me, uh, Keith, was the sports editor at the Punxsutawney paper and, and then moved down to the Trib in a number two capacity. A couple other guys who have long since left the business, but there were a, a group of uh, younger uh, folks. And then Metzer came along, too, not long after us. Uh, so uh, when I had an opening, reached out to Keith and we were able to make something work. So he's going to be doing a lot of uh, reporting for us this season. And we thank the uh, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette for allowing him uh, to, to share uh, his services. He's also a, a high school reporter for the, the PG. He'll be doing hockey for us. On this here little podcast, No Pucks Given, uh, we're we're going to talk about the Derek Brassard to left wing saga, situation, whatever it is, and the numerous dominoes that fall from it. And literally everything else the, the Penguins are doing this offseason, we can kind of like draw a line through it all. It's, it's all kind of a, a little bit of a jumbled mess, but... It starts, uh, or at least, at least I think it's easier to explain with the uh, Brassard to left wing. And, and we'll talk about Tristan Jari, too. Uh, he signed his uh, two-year contract, had no leverage, had zero leverage, and that's not how the NHL CBA is drawn up. And we'll get into that. We'll also talk about Shark Tank, just because we always have to have something stupid, right? I, I should have thought of this uh, before I tweeted it out. Best underrated movie ever. We'll get to that one on the uh, the next podcast. We'll be doing these on at least a weekly basis, if not more, 
as we hit uh, September, which is uh, far too close, isn't it? But we'll be doing a lot, a lot more podcasts. It's amazing to me, and I hope you're enjoying your summer, with the, the decompression of the off-season. I, I must say, something in me has changed. I've, I've been hit pretty hard this off-season with uh, some trolls and, and some... some uh, I, I don't want to use any derogatory terms or anything that could be construed as derogatory, but some people trying to make it or make a name in the business or... Or, or get some some sunlight. I, I've taken some pretty good shots uh, this summer, and I must tell you, for the first time, I don't care. It's it's kind of a neat uh, place to be. I've I've always been very sensitive to criticism, as you you, you probably know. But th- this year, it's been like, here's what we're doing. Here's what we've done. Uh, take your shots. It's an interesting thing being uh, in sports or sports media, isn't it? I know what everyone thinks about me. Imagine going through, going to work like that, where you know what all of your coworkers, and customers, clients, and bosses, what everyone thinks of you. It's all on the table when you do this business, and it's taken me a little while. I think uh, the skin's gotten uh, a little bit thicker. Let's get into the Derek Broussard stuff here. Uh, okay, so we, we know from different reports, now Pittsburgh Hockey Now has not been one of those reports. We, we haven't had uh, the chance to ask anybody privately. We only have what, uh, we only have what Mike Sullivan or Jim Rutherford has said publicly, and that has been the coaches are seriously considering Broussard to the left side kind of move. Now, one, let me go on record as saying, Bad move. I might eat these words because, you know, there is the closure situation. Philadelphia moved him to left wing and boom, heart trophy kind of season. I get that. But they were trying to make room for Nolan Patrick, the second overall draft pick. Who were the Penguins trying to make room for? A fourth line center? No. And now here's where the dominoes begin to fall. Let's presume that the experiment does begin. Where does Broussard slot? Beside Malkin, beside Crosby, or on the third line? If he goes to third line left wing, well, so you've traded a very good third line center for an unproven third line left wing. Would you make that trade any day of the week? Of course not. So, so if he wound up there, that's a bad move. If he uh, displaced Jake Gensel as, as Crosby's left wing, well, how valuable is Gensel then? Now, I'm being serious. You, you, you may take away a good chunk of Jake Gensel's value. I haven't seen him really produce or play well beside anybody but Crosby yet. Now, that's not to say he can't. That's to say... In the year and a half he's been in the NHL, I haven't seen it yet. So you, you might greatly devalue that player and that combination of uh, Gensel and Crosby. If you put him on the left wing of Evgeny Malkin, now imagine this third line. 
you know, the second line would be Broussard, Malkin, and, and whoever they put on the right, be it Hornquist, Kessel, whatever. The third line would then be Carl Haglin beside Riley Sheehan. Can you think of a greater mismatch or less offensive potential? Good God almighty. I mean, uh, Carl Haglin playing on the most potent line in the NHL. Wait, was it second most? Or maybe it was the first. Uh, certainly, I think it was the number one second line in the NHL with Haglin, Malkin, and uh, Hornquist. Haglin still only had 30 points. He made Malkin much better, don't get me wrong. But Shayan's not a guy who's... Uh, who has a lot of offensive flair. That line might be painful to watch no matter who is on the right side. Be it Kessel, be it Brian Rust, be it Daniel Sprung. Heck, be it Zach Aston Reese. I j- you know, the, the, the line combos are endless here. But the third line would, would just suck. Shan doesn't play a fast game. Haglund only plays a fast game. And there's really there's no offensive creativity between the two. So now we've, we've gone through the dominoes just uh, in the three lines regarding the Brassard to left wing thing. For it to work, he'd have to play beside Crosby and Gensel would have to excel beside Brassard. Or you just leave Broussard where he's at as a third-line center. Which is the, uh, the shortest route and the most productive? Doesn't seem like just, just leave him alone. Leave Broussard at that third-line center. Now, those dominoes have fallen. Let's look at, at the rest of the Penguins' bottom six, because now the cupboard is, is overstocked, is it not? You've got Matt Cullen, Riley Sheehan, Derek Grant, Jimmy Hayes, Zach Aston Reese, Dominic Simone, Daniel Sprong. Have I missed anybody? I think I got every, I think I got everybody. That's to fill uh, five spots. And I named well more than five names. Which means that a guy like Zach Aston Reese and Jimmy Hayes, they're going to fight for NHL time. Or, here, here's the, the, uh, the great or. Let's say the Penguins keep Zach Aston Reese and Jimmy Hayes. That means they have to sacrifice Daniel Sprong or Dominic Simone. Uh-oh. Or say, ruh-roh, Shaggy. Because there just isn't any space to hide them. Now, uh, here's something to consider, and Pittsburgh Hockey now is not yet a beat organization, and by, by beat, I mean uh, the NHL does not yet recognize us as a traveling beat writers organization uh, akin to a newspaper. We're, we're working on it. We're, we're asking, we're, we're proving, we're, we're going through that process, not there yet because we weren't there last season. I, I don't want to ever oversell 
our growth. We do want to be on the road this coming year. Uh, a, a few people have to agree to that. A few teams have to uh, agree to that, which is a, a lot of door knocking and a lot of uh, persuasion and convincing. Anyway, um, the Penguins have gotten a lot bigger this offseason. I don't know if you've noticed that. The, the Penguins, every player they've brought in from Johnson to Matt Cullen, to Jimmy Hayes. They're all over six feet tall and close to 200 pounds. In fact, uh, Jimmy Hayes is 6'5", 215. Riley Sheehan, they re-signed, obviously. 6'3", 210, 215. Daniel Sprong is 6'1", I think he's a little bit over 200 pounds. Cullen is 6'1", close to 200 pounds. Zach Aston Reese is is six foot tall, but he's over 200 pounds. They, they've got, oh, Derek Grant, 6'5", 215. So now they've, they've got several players much bigger than anything they had last year. That's not a coincidence, by the way. That's absolutely not a coincidence. And before you say, but Dan, but Dan, they won the Stanley Cup without having to fight back, and they want to stay on the cup by outskating other teams. You're right. Past tense. One. Last season, teams caught up to them on the, you know, with feet. Teams like the Capitals got quick enough to play with the Penguins. Not necessarily as fast, but quick enough to play. And the Penguins have to know they got pushed around against the Capitals. Not just uh, Tom Wilson's goonery hit on Aston Reese, but in the, 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 the minute portions of the game, they were getting crushed on the wall and they weren't winning battles. Not nearly enough for mo- enough puck possession, not nearly enough to squash the Capitals like they've done in past years. And so the Penguins have gone out and gotten bodies that the Capitals can't push around, that the Flyers, that the Bruins can't push around when, no pun intended, push comes to shove. And uh, I'm a little disappointed. No one's asked uh, Jim Rutherford uh, about that yet. I I really want to hear his blunt answer, and he... Uh, he hasn't spoken publicly anyway. He's, he's talked uh, to the couple beat, few beat writers uh, a few times this summer. I'm very curious because he, he, I don't think he'd pull any punches. Again, no pun intended. They, they went out and got Ryan Reeves last summer, and that was one player on the extreme. Now they've made the entire bottom six big. And that's all kind of the, that the, all these uh, dominoes from Derek Broussard to left wing conversation. And don't expect a trade. I, I just from everything I've been told to this point, the Penguins made their calls in June. They knocked on the door. They asked about price tags. They said, "Oh, thank you for your time," and walked away. 
to this point, I've not heard of serious uh, trade discussions. Now, one source a couple days ago said, hey, I might have something for you. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. What that something is, I have no idea. For all we know, it could be a a new banner at PPG Paints Arena. But no one, no one legitimate. You know, there, there's lots of lovely little Twitter accounts that that said the the Penguins and Pacioretty were a done deal last week, and I just uh, I, I chuckle. If you uh, follow Pittsburgh hockey now, you saw the report that the the Penguins uh, were were nowhere close on Pacioretty. Obviously, one phone call can change things, but. What we've been told is the price is steep. And so, if you really look at it, though, do the Penguins need a left winger? Like a high-test, high-octane left winger? No, they, they really don't. They've got Gensel and Haglund to fill the top six. And they clearly want some size and some grit in the bottom six, and they've, they've probably got that as well just uh, by sheer depth. And if Dominic Simone slots in anywhere, he'll provide the speed and a little bit of the offensive spark. By the way, he's a lot better than you think he is. Don't join the, the, um, the internet worlds piling on Dominic Simone. I know that's a popular thing, and, ah, Simone sucks! Just relax. He's uh, 23. He was a rookie last year. The kid's in the right spot, and the, the kid has a chance to be uh, pretty good. I'm not saying all-star. I'm not saying 30 goals, but I'm saying a legit NHL guy who can put the puck in the net. He's got a, a shot at that. So don't don't join the, uh, the, the group think pile on uh, Simone there. But with the, everyone else being bigger, you can afford a small winger like Dominic Simone, <clears throat> on the left side, especially with Derek Broussard at center. Now, here's where I think the Penguins made a mistake. And this uh, might surprise you, actually. I think the Penguins aired with the Riley Sheehan signing. Believe it or not, uh... If you look, if, if you kind of take that signing out of the Penguins, any worse for wear. Now, Shayan's making 2.1. The Penguins got Matt Cullen. They got Derek Grant. Hopefully you checked out uh, Jake Holmes' article on Teddy Bluger, who really is having himself uh, a summer up there in the Beauty League, the, the Minnesota Summer League where they play four-on-four. It's got big-name talent, Brock Besser, Jake Gensel. You may have, may have heard a guy named Gensel. Uh, James Van Riemsdyk. The list goes on. A lot of NHL players play in that weekly summer league uh, at the arena up in Minnesota. And Bluger is doing really well. So you have him, but he is effectively locked out of the NHL this coming season unless the Penguins suffer severe injuries or are willing to uh, let somebody go. If Zach Aston reese and Jimmy Hayes both falter, they can be sent down to Wilkes-Barre without having to go through waivers. That's Teddy Bluger's only chance. And even then, 
That's only to get to number 13, not in the, in the top 12. So I, I, I don't see the, the Penguins putting Teddy Bluger in the press box. Certainly don't want to see them put Daniel Sprong in the press box at this point, do you? But that's a, a realistic possibility because of the way the Penguins have overstocked their forwards crew. And we, we can get into this because of the uh, essentially five openings. You have to assume Riley Shayen's got one of them. So we're, we're down to, to four openings. Third line, left and right wing. Fourth line, left and right wing. Cullen figures prominently in that mix. Daniel Sprong has to as well. You just can't put him in the the press box. You have to find out now. Your time to develop him in the minors is literally over. To risk putting him through waivers, now he's got a two-year contract, and that, uh, if he has a bad training camp, having a two-year contract... I think makes him uh, somewhat unattractive, knowing that you have to spend $1.5 million on the kid, as opposed to a one-year flyer where you can develop press box, develop press box. You know, a, a team like, oh, I don't know, Arizona might go through that. But a two-year deal is, is a whole nother matter. But still, at this point, you want to just throw him on the ice for a month, two months, and let him work through the stupidity and, and the, uh, the, the youth and the, the immaturity and, and all of those things that uh, a young player has to, to learn at the NHL level, which puts talented players in the press box with the Penguins. And that's, they, they made too much of a good thing. How's that? in an effort to make sure they didn't get pushed around by the Capitals and in an effort to create competition, they may have squeezed their young players out of the lineup. And that could hurt them long run if Sprong doesn't get a chance to develop or if Dominic Simone doesn't get that chance or if Zach Aston Reese doesn't get that chance because Aston Reese can be sent to uh, Wilkes-Barre Scranton without clearing waivers. And so he figures to actually end up down in the minor league. I have some questions if Aston Reese is a long-term NHL player. His skating has to improve for him to be uh, a legit third liner. I, I, I didn't see that, that spark and that, uh, that, that push. But by the same token... Uh, he could be an effective fourth-line guy because he's strong on the wall and he goes to the net. You might get more than, oh, I don't know, five points from the middle of your fourth line with some guys who could put the puck in the net on the fourth line. And so there's the jumbled mess. See, we, we start with Derek Broussard, and we go all the way through Daniel Sprung and Derek Grant to Zach Aston Reese. And every single variable can change the other variable. This isn't just a Rubik's Cube. This is like a, a Rubik's Cube jigsaw puzzle that just keeps changing and, 
And at some point, uh, I, I'm sure Mike Sullivan's going to say, okay, here's my, my four bedrock centers and everybody else you're fighting for these positions just to make his life a little easier. Otherwise, they could spend six months experimenting with different line combinations because how many of these centers can play left wing? Three of them? Grant, Cullen, Sheehan? And they're talking about making Broussard one of them. So that would make four. I think your best bet is uh, Sheehan as your fourth line center. Cullen on left wing, and let me tell you why. I know a lot of people want to pencil him in at center, and I I actually think that he could be a a slightly better option than Sheehan. But do you really want to put a 41, soon-to-be 42-year-old's legs through playing center, do you, do you, it's it just seems a, a safer journey to have Cullen on the left wing. That and I really didn't like Shane on the left wing when the Penguins would go to that defensive uh, stance, or even when they would shorten their bench last season. A lot of times they would throw Shane on the left wing. I didn't see anything to like about that. So, hopefully you kept up with all of that. Actually, I might have even tangled myself a little bit. The, uh, the, the net effect is that some young players aren't going to get enough sunlight. At least one young player won't. And I don't know that that's in the Penguins' best interest. But mark my words, they, they definitely made a concerted effort to get bigger and tougher. You think Jack Johnson was a mistake or an accident? Johnson is a guy who is going to plaster a few people this coming season. And when he does and the you know the, the PPG crowd goes nuts, assuming that you know it's not late in the third period and they haven't all gone home. I'm kidding, I'm joking, I'm jabbing. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I couldn't resist getting in a little bit of trouble, could I? But I think the PPG crowd is going to really come to like Jack Johnson. Again, another guy. What is Johnson, like 220 pounds? He's a beefy guy. 6'1", 6'2". When he hits, it hurts. And, of course, you've got Alexiak. So you've, you've now got two pairings with somebody who knows how to use the glass for more than chipping the puck back to center. And that's how the Penguins have become much better this offseason. Even, uh, I, know, I know I'm kind of disparaging the moves as a whole. No matter what combination they come up with, they're still infinitely better than they were last summer. And they're even better than they were three months ago. Just imagine Derek Broussard with a training camp getting gelled with Phil Kessel. Just imagine, let's say, a fourth line of Matt Cullen, Riley Shane, and Daniel Sprong. Those two guys shepherding Sprong into the NHL. When he's ready, he can jump up to that uh, third or even first line right wing because you've got the versatility of Brian Rust who can slot in almost anywhere except at center. 
so the Penguins are clearly a much better team right now. They, you, you, you can't deny that. You can deny that some of the moves might hurt them long term. Now let's get into some of the... Wait, uh, what else have I uh, neglected to tell you? Oh, okay, we, we, we've covered the Matt Cullen stuff. Yeah, we've got the Log Jam stuff. Check, check. We've got the Jack Johnson stuff. Oh, uh, Tristan Jari. Let's get into the RFA system here. Tristan Jari can't be a happy camper. He just cannot be because here's a guy who played in 26 NHL games last season, started 23. He, um, he won 14 games, which led all NHL rookies. He was a restricted free agent. And yet he had to sign a two-year deal for peanuts. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd take 675000 bucks every day of the week, and I- I'm sure most of you would too. But it's far below his value. And therein lies the problem. The RFA system was set up so that teams couldn't uh, press players into uh, you know, the, the, these low-ball contracts and own them unimpeded until they became unrestricted free agents. That's the entire point of the RFA and the CBA. And from the first lockout in 05 to the last lockout of 13, in that span, you saw one and two RFA offer sheets per offseason. Now, most of them were matched. I think there was only one in, in which it, it wasn't matched. But that's largely because teams are going big game hunting. Ryan O'Reilly was the last RFA offer sheet, and that was 2000, was that 2012 or 2013? I, I forget which. Colorado inked him to a deal. The thing is, none, zero, not a single offer sheet in the last six years. Something's wrong with that picture, is there not? Now, I can't use that word collusion. That's a very specific legal definition, and to this point, there's no evidence that the general managers have gotten together and said, hey, let's not offer anybody contracts. That's what would be necessary to prove collusion and to use that word. And so I have purposefully, in my writing and in my speech and tweets and Facebook or whatever, I, I do not use that word. However, what has happened is this, this culture amongst NHL clubs and organizations where it is absolutely taboo. I don't know how it came to be, but you're just not allowed to do it. Now, uh, next week, Pittsburgh Hockey now uh, will have a story, I hope by mid-next week. We're speaking with a lot of, a lot of agents uh, this weekend and early next week. We've set up some conversations to, to really pick their brain about their feelings, their clients' feelings, on this whole RFA process. Now, one word that was used uh, on, on Thursday afternoon as we were setting up these, these little uh, chats here, and by the way, we're, we're not calling uh, 
we're, how how should I put this 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 kindly? We're we're not calling like uh, Sandy Wexler. That was Adam Sandler's goofy movie on Netflix where he was like this old out of touch agent. We're going to guys who are in the soup right now and representing players who are affected by this and players who have been affected by this. The one word that that struck me that uh, one of the agents used is that well, we're, we're kind of resigned to the fact. It's not supposed to be like that. Let's use Tristan Jari as a prime example. Oh, I don't know, the Carolina Hurricanes, New York Islanders, and half a dozen other teams who are goalie-starved have to look at Tristan Jari and say, geez, the Penguins can't afford anything for this guy. I mean, could the Penguins have afforded a $1 million NHL deal for Tristan Jari this year? Absolutely not. And all a team would have had to give up for a million-dollar contract? Second-round pick. I'm sorry, no, no, no. A third-round pick. That's it. Would you trade a third-round pick for Tristan Jari? Heck yes. Would the Penguins accept a third-round offer for Jari? Heck no. That's why the RFA system is there. It's supposed to prevent teams from hoarding players and preventing them from their shot at the NHL when they are ready. But that's exactly what it's become. We've gone back to the uh, pre-free agency days. We've, we've gone back to the 80s when teams could just lock down a player because everyone's afraid to upset the, the apple cart. I would sign Jari to a, a 1.5, eh, buck and a quarter, buck and a half deal every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Multi-year deal. Here you go, kid. Carolina would have been the perfect situation. They've got tons of cap space. So do the Islanders, too, where Jari wouldn't have to start every game. And he could kind of come along as an NHL starter at his own pace. Instead, he's now third on the Penguins' depth chart, and when he gets to the NHL, he's making peanuts. He and Casey DeSmith making about 650, 675. Uh, without looking, uh, I think DeSmith was also 675, but it might have been 650, forgive me. That makes them, I believe, the lowest paid backup goaltenders in the league. Even Calgary's David Riddich who was a very late bloomer and a player I've, I've followed for a while coming from the Czech League, who actually jumped over uh, hot prospect John Gillies there in the Calgary system to become the, the backup goaltender at the NHL level, is being paid 800000 He's 28, and he's started a handful or, or not many more games. So the Penguins really... Uh, put the I, I, uh, put the screws to DeSmith and and Jari might be a little harsh, but the Penguins certainly benefited from this. And I think if if there's one issue where Donald Fair can really take it to Gary Bettman and maybe put a little bit of the fear of God into Bettman, I mean Bettman's a slick operator. Make no mistake about it, Bettman is slick. It's with this RFA stuff. What happens? What would happen? I'm, I'm sure 
if they really pushed, they could make the NHL sweat that, that whole collusion word. There might not be any proof, but boy, there's some smoke there. Five, six years with no offer sheet. Philip Grubauer went through the same thing as the Capitals backup. No one touched him. And until uh, he got arbitration rights, he was, he was stuck at whatever the Capitals felt like paying him. That's just not how it's supposed to work, and it's, it's not right. I don't know if that Brian Burke temper tantrum over Dustin Penner uh, in 2008... Wow, 10 years ago. For some of you younger fans, uh, the Edmonton Oilers plucked Dustin Penner away from the Ducks with a big money uh, tender sheet or uh, offer sheet. And, and Kevin Lowe, the GM of the Oilers, and Brian Burke just went at it publicly over it. Just almost went to blows. Lowe on a radio show challenged Brian Burke to a parking lot brawl which would have been awesome. I, I think Lowe would have won, being the more recent player, but I wouldn't bet against Burke. He's got the big melon, you know? He throws a couple right hooks with those ham hocks, and you don't know uh, how much is behind him. It's not like Brian Burke would be encumbered by a tie around his neck. So I don't know how much to rant and rave about this. It's, it's not right. Uh, I guess is what I'm saying. And I would like to see, and, and I'm hoping we, as we talk to a few agents, uh, you know, this weekend and, and more next week, I'm hoping somebody has the guts to say it. I'm not hopeful. I was upfront. I'm working a story. Here's the angle I want to talk to you about. I want your feelings. I want your thoughts on this. I hope somebody uh, opens the vault a little bit and says, yeah, we're ticked off. I would be. I mean, uh, put yourself in, in these shoes as a GM. Would you, would you take Jari at $1.25 million for a couple of years? How about Jamie Alexiak? Another prime example. You saw what the Penguins got out of Alexiak for 47 games last year. Legit top four defenseman. Physical, has some offensive upside, still has some growing to do. He got loose at times last year when he tried to be too offensive. He got out of position. He was trying too hard and, and trying to force things, and his game would go sideways when he did that. But when he simplified, when he focused, he was a beast in his own zone, and he could chip in offensively. Would you give that guy 2.5? Would you trade a second-round pick? for a top four defenseman at a wonderfully discounted rate? Heck yeah. But no one, no one did. So, anywho, <laughs> let's get to the Shark Tank uh, stuff. I, uh, by the way, just uh, this is just a, a personal note. Uh, sometimes I write things that I really enjoyed writing or, or I thought maybe give you some perspective or context that in my crazy career I've been able to acquire that other people wouldn't necessarily. Like, you know, just being so involved with the Canadian markets for, for so many years, I, I've always considered myself a little bit uh, Canadian trained. 
my friends used to tease me that I was I was half Canadian anyway. And I wrote a, a piece uh, about concussions. And I, and, and I know, as soon as you see the word concussion in the headline, no one clicks on it. It was literally one of the worst things or, or worst read things I've written in six months. <laughs> it died. And I don't, I don't mind admitting that. If you can, check it out because um, I, I think you, you, you might in, enjoy it and it might bring some color and, and some context to this concussion debate as the lawsuit uh, heats up as we get into the season. I think it's going to become a, a hot-button issue. And, and maybe you, uh, you view the whole thing in a little bit of a different uh, world. So I took both a 30,000 view, 30,000 foot view of the uh, whole situation from all sides and, and, and tried to, to frame it in, in that light without calling anybody names, without saying anybody was evil, just really giving you uh, what was going on. And it's actually one of the things I enjoyed writing. It wasn't 1,500 words or anything, any great long interview. Um, it's one of those things I just enjoyed getting out of my brain and, and onto uh, figurative paper. All right, Shark Tank, I want you to uh, text me if you had to. You, you hop in Shark Tank, you have your little, your little crazy company. Which one would you take for a beer? <laughs> I, I, I'm wondering if, if a few of you wouldn't take Lori. I know everyone's going to say Cuban. Oh, I got to take Cuban. He's a Pittsburgh guy. But let me tell you, this probably says way too much about me. I would take O'Leary. I would take Mr. Wonderful. I guess he wouldn't have beer. He'd have to have wine. If you watch the show, you, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, my gosh, it's on like CNBC all night long, every night. You have to have seen it for a few seconds at least. I would love to pick somebody who's, who's that aggressive and disciplined. I'd love to pick their brain for uh, just a, a few minutes. Not that, not that everybody else isn't brilliant in their own right. Not that Cuban's not an awesome guy. I know that some of you grew up with him and, and you know him. So you're like, Dan, you're an idiot. Cuban certainly would be the, uh, the cool guy to hang out with. But I'd love to uh, talk to old Mr. Wonderful about some of our expansion plans. They're a little, they're a little crazy. They're a little, a little out there. It might be before his glass was finished, he got up and left and said, you're dead to me. All right, so tweet me at the Dan Kingersky or the, uh, the, the, the website, Twitter, at PGH Hockey now so we'll be doing a lot more of these podcasts as we hit uh, early september rookie camp uh, is up in buffalo or rookie tournament rather is uh, up in buffalo we expect to be covering that full bore and uh, training camp as well shelly anderson is on board for a lot more content this coming year uh, we'll be doing a lot of PHN extra stuff. Essentially, the stuff that cost us money to produce will be PHN extra. Uh, we, we don't need 10,000 subscribers to make a go of this, but, I mean, we, we wouldn't turn that down. Don't get me wrong. We, we do want to provide a, uh, a good subscriber base of content, one a day, sometimes... Uh, sometimes two a day, but 30 or, or 40 pieces of just subscriber-exclusive content per month, and that will uh, begin 
in September. All right, kids, until we uh, chat again, have fun.